everybody. This is Kate Conroy. And I'm Vanessa Vizzello. And this is not quite other people's business. So if you watched our last episode of the show, we touched on coronavirus a little bit when we were talking about how neither the two of us or our guests had really been affected yeah. yet. We had recorded that on a Monday and released it on a Thursday. And even just in that time, the amount that it has affected us has blown up tremendously. Yeah. But by the time you're watching this, even that will have been weeks ago. So, so much more can happen mm -hmm. in that time. And as a result of social distancing and closures, we've had to reschedule all of our live guests. So rather than getting one of our typical episodes, you're gonna see a clip show of some of the great things we've learned from some of our really cool members over the last few months. That's right. And if you're a member or not a member and you have questions about coronavirus, you're worried about issues, um, we have a resource page on the website. It is njbia.org slash coronavirus. We've gathered some of the best resources from across the state um, and it's available free for you to, to look through. Yep. So I guess with that out of the way, we will leave it there. We'll see you next time and enjoy the clips. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. So, Rebecca, tell us what you do at Sobel Co. I am a forensic accountant at Sobel Co. Mm. Forensic accountant. What does that mean? All right. So that means I have the more interesting job, and I get to investigate fraud and uh, help attorneys with really crazy, thorny financial issues. And uh, I get to see the, you know, kind of the worst in the people and how creative mm. they can be with uh, disguising things and covering it up. Stealing money, <laughs> hiding it. Yes, unfortunately. Can we ask, like, what would we, no names, obviously. Yeah, no but, like, names. You know, a like, scenario where somebody did something crazy to cover up yeah. like, some fraud. Um, well, I, I, you know, you get people who just don't think that they're ever gonna get caught. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the typical, you know, scenario is somebody who's worked with a company forever and they're very well trusted and they just start writing checks to themselves or taking money. Um, but we did have one case where there was a, a credit union branch manager who was stealing money from her elderly uh, account members' accounts because, you know, they were old and they were like IRA accounts. Nobody would ever like, you know, keep track of the balance and she was taking money out. <gasps> and then and they didn't try to, she didn't try to hide it? Well, the thing was, it was, nobody actually noticed it. And then when people would come in and say, well, there was a withdrawal from my account, and it wasn't me and she would say oh sorry i made a mistake i miskeyed the account number it must have been somebody else so she would take money from someone else's account and put it back <laughs> wow that's nuts so it's, it's people do crazy things and it's not like she was like you know buying new cars or anything she was just going to the home shopping network oh my <laughs> buying gosh. things i think <laughs> what's the most amount of money that you've ever caught somebody oh millions of dollars. <gasps> wow, you don't notice that missing from the uh, the ledger, I guess. Well, you know what, if it's over a number of years, um, it adds you up. know, it really does. And people, especially small businesses, people don't really, um, you know, you, you don't have enough people to do different job duties. So one person might be, you know, receiving the mail and opening up the checks and taking it to the bank and writing checks to people. and dealing with cash. So, uh, you know, and then the owner of the business, they trust them so much, they, they don't, and they don't have enough time to be looking over their shoulder. So it happens and they don't notice and they think maybe that, you know, the business just isn't doing well and they don't know why. And then they find out 
somehow that uh, people have been stealing from them, or a person's been stealing from them, and it's it's really unfortunate that it happens. That's something. That, oh, oh. Go ahead. No, no, no you. <laughs> I, okay, so I feel like that's something that happens at like the big company level. Like oh, when no. you've got like five people in an it office, does. it'd be hard to get away with that. So it's surprising to me that it would be a well, smaller. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, it depends. I mean, it happens at big companies, and, and frequently because people collude and they work together oh, um, to do something, and you know, multiple people benefit. But at small companies, it's really just because you know you have one person dealing with all the money. Yeah. And you know that, like I said, the owner just doesn't have the time. Right. And the, you know they want to focus on doing whatever the business is that they've done that they do medical practices, you know, and, and professional practices especially, attorneys too, you know, they want to practice what they've gone to school and they've learned and paid lots of money to become experts in. They don't want to deal with the accounting the and the bookkeeping. Um, so that's why they hire somebody else, but then they, they just lose too much control. But I encourage everybody not to trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trust isn't an internal control, as I like to say. But um, yeah, the internal the internal controls is a big thing. I remember I used to work for a really small organization, and we had a staff of you know four or five, mm -hmm. and we had very strict internal controls. One person opened the mail, and all of it mm -hmm. went to me. And then I looked at the checks, and then I handed them off to somebody else. And exactly. then like you, there has to be like everybody involved, even if it's not part of your job description. Right. But, uh, you know, it never occurred to me, but I guess it should have, that I could have been <laughs> colluding with somebody in that chain. Yeah, could have. Right. And, and people just are ingenious in finding ways to get around whatever controls are there. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. That, that, that spurs so much creativity. Anytime you try to make security tighter or controls, I mean, uh -huh. just like, you know, look in, in, in general in the world with technology. Every time somebody comes up with a new way to secure a system, somebody else is going to figure it out how to get around it. And I think it's partly, it's just the challenge of it. People people want, you know, it's fun <laughs> to get around the, yeah, the good guys sometimes. So This is fictional, but I think my favorite, you ever see a Superman 3 or Office Space? Yeah. Yeah, yes. so like, <laughs> yes. how they wrote some code right. in the bank's computer that every time a transaction went in that was like a fraction of a penny, like if we're converting yeah, from one tenth of a penny, the one tenth of the penny. That is called, it's a salami trend. It's a salami scheme. Wait, that right? happens That's in real life? That's it. a thing? It is. So for those of you yes. who haven't seen the rest of the movie or the movies, like they took those fractions of a penny and they just put them in another account, assuming like, it's a fraction of it a penny. It would take a million yeah. years for it to be any amount of money that would right. be missing and anybody exactly. would notice. But and, like in both cases, they like instituted this on a Friday. They come back on Monday and there's and like there's, 300 grand yes. in the account. <laughs> yeah, they all yes. start panicking. That is actually a thing with a name. They call it the salami, salami scam. scam or something like that. Wow. And yeah, That's if you, amazing. if you, okay, so I'm a certified fraud examiner, yeah. which is, you know, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. And so they have this whole training manual and everything. And that's one of the things that's in the manual. And, and that's just slicing off a tiny little fraction that nobody's ever going to notice. But if you do it often enough and across a wide enough population, you're going to come up with something. Wow. Pretty soon the salami's gone. Well, <laughs> or no, somebody else has all the salami. Somebody else has all the salami. Because <laughs> yeah, like you slice salami really thin. Yeah. So. It amazes me that even after that movie came out, people were like, that's a good idea. I should do it. Like, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. in, like, in both movies, they very quickly realized, like, why that's, like, not something you should do. Idea. That you will get caught, like, immediately. Yes. And people in real life were like, no, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> Especially, like, with, you know, like, like you said, like, it has a name. You know, it's 
more attention is brought to it yeah. by the fact that we all know Office Space. Wow, that's, a, that's well, amazing. But then you know, you look at people like Bernie Madoff, who <gasps> yeah, and that's that, that wasn't pennies that he was dealing with. I mean, mm -hmm. it's big sums of money. And he was making things so complicated that you know people didn't understand. They thought he was just so brilliant that you know it was something they, they they were too dumb to understand. But he must know what he was doing, and that's how he just scammed everybody. Because nobody asked him any questions. So, oh, now I lost track of what I was thinking. So I'm sorry. My, oh, <laughs> so the guy calls you, he says, "Aha, I did so this." So my whole thing is really discovering what fires you up every day. Yeah. And your passion. And listen, we all have to do things that we do in our jobs we don't like to do. It's part of what it is. But if you really want to be a true leader and you look at those best leaders out there, they have a very visionary approach to their life, both professionally and personally. And that's another thing I really hone in on with clients and I speak about, is we often separate those professional and personal goals. Okay, this is where I want to be in my career. Women do it especially, and they do it terribly. And, yeah. Um, it's, it's getting better. It's mm. getting better. And that, I speak to a woman market specifically on this. And then personal, but if you don't commingle those and really try to hone in on what is going to give you that passion and that firing you, it's like a seesaw. You're going to be on the seesaw and it's not balancing, or I even say the spokes of a wheel of a bike. Mm. One comes off, and then you're stuck. You don't know why you're not transitioning. What's not transitioning to me? Often clients will think it's all happening in their professional life. And when they really sit back and I assess them on what's going on in their personal life, and I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to sit in marriage counsel here and tell you what to do in your personal life. But just what you're looking for, the balance in the professional, uh, personal level, that's when everything starts to match for them and they start seeing really what they want to become. Hmm. Got you thinking? Are you thinking I about am. your life right now? Well, yes, of course. <laughs> Always. But um, I was listening to this podcast, um, I think it was a TED Talk, and they were talking about the three aspects of life. You know, you've got work, love, and play. And if all three of them, if you're paying attention to all three equally, then you're probably in, in good shape. It's the hardest thing to do. Right. And mm. she was talking about different presidents who have failed at paying attention to one. And she was referencing Lyndon Johnson, mm -hmm. who um, ended his, his career with huge amounts of money, huge status, no family. He died alone. Right. Like, he... On his deathbed, basically was like, I really made a mistake. I can't believe I didn't spend enough time with my my kids and their kids. Nope, nobody visits me. Nobody has any interest in in hanging out with me. Right. He had <laughs> so much. I know. And I mean, you know, his career was interesting. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say that he was a good man or a terrible man. He was he was just a guy who's flawed like any other. Um, but he didn't focus at all on on the love part. You know, he played a lot, he had a great life in terms of golf and travel, right. and he worked hard. And success. Hugely successful. And, and that one, yeah. Because so he probably didn't define what his true success level was right. at a personal and professional level. And I, I continue to say it, and I also do, um, I speak to women also, and I call it self-love. Mm. I go the three selves, self-love, self-confidence, self-value. I can target it to men, and I do, but women especially resonate with it because we also often think as women that we are very confident. So people may say to you, Kate, you are so confident. Oh my gosh, you have it together. You have this podcast. You have this great job. You're out networking all the time. I want to be you. And then you go home and you say, I'm resonating all this great self-confidence, but I'm really not happy where I am right now. What's right. really, 
Where, what is pushing me? I'm not saying this is. <laughs> Imagine like one of the two of us is gonna like burst out crying. <laughs> you know? Okay, I'm not saying this. I'm giving you. This no, answer. I know, I know. And what I try to say often to women is, don't ignore that taking care of yourself component. Yeah. And when you gave that great that great uh, story right now, he ignored one component he of did. that self love of what he wanted in his life in regard to uh, his personal life. Yeah. So I have this like four R approach to it. I call it. You have to rewire. That's rewiring your mindset. Mm -hmm. You have to regain what you're going to do. Like re start regaining what's what's going to push you to your next momentum. Mm -hmm. Then you have to rework it, and you have to come into me knowing you're going to change something. Because if you come into me and say everything's working for me right now, don't hire me. Right. Because I'm never going to be able to rewire you if you think everything is working for you right now. But generally, people come and see a coach, or come to a speech or want to hear a new way to lead because they know they want to transform and lead something. And then I call it the last thing, resilience. I build resilience in you so that when you start going into that self-doubt or that rewiring starting to go off or that one spoke's flying off the bike that one day, how you can build your resilience back to get right back on yeah. with a long-term approach in your life. So, hmm. and they're saying now, I actually just got off a call this morning with a proposal to go to a major technology summit of major high-level executives. And they did a survey on their summit last year, and they said the one thing was lacking, all the processes were there, discussing the great innovative ways, the technologies, everything. But the one thing that was lacking, nobody was telling them how to mindset themselves as leaders. Wow. And that's when he caught me, and he found my website and called me. And that is just, we're in a, we're in a rat race now. The technology's great. There's a lot of great things. There's a lot of great innovations. But are we really stepping back and looking at the connection between that human element and all those processes, those technologies, and that continuous rat race that people say they feel they live in? They're, they're results driven, mm -hmm. but they're not really progressively actionable driven objectives for long term. With us today is Jackie Larea of Fairleigh Dickinson University. So Jackie, say hi, let the audience hear your voice. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited. This is my first podcast, and I'm just loving the experience. This is a great one to have as your first podcast. This is the best one. Yeah. It is yeah. the best one. I wasn't going to put us all the way at the top, but sure. I'll put yeah. you at the top. Oh, my Thank goodness. You. Thank you so much. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so today's icebreaker is, would you rather be the clown that distracts the bull or the cowboy who rides the bull? <laughs> Shut okay, up, Minnie. Why are you no, no. laughing? Go ahead, go ahead. I think I'd like to be the cowboy, actually. So you're very brave. You're a very brave person. I like to take risk. I do, but I also like to see things get done mm. and be like the cause of things getting done. So if I could take down the bull, yeah, that's wow. me. That's impressive. I'd like to do that. I only want to be the clown. And as soon as the bull like looks vaguely in my direction, I'm just going to book it right out of that arena except that if you run then Defeats he's gonna the, chase right. you it does you know, like, yeah it you kind of have to jump out of the way at the last second this is why i laughed because there's no good answer to this you're dying one way or the other or you're no, in you're in jeopardy of death one way or the other. Down. Jeopard, right, right exactly she's gonna take the bull down just come with me but you don't actually f combat a bull when you no, fight a bull. You, you just like, ride it. the red flag. Yeah. Oh, wait. I or guess you we're thinking yeah. of two different things. Like, there's the rodeo bull. Right. Where the, right. the cowboy rides it. But And there is a clown in that 
in that arena or in that Oh, well, what are you talking about? Because I'm, I'm trying to decide whether I want to die by getting gored or die by no, getting thrown running, off and breaking my neck. We're not running, running with the bulls, bulls in Pamplona. We're not, that's not well, what this is. It's it's like, a, okay, so the, my, my vision of what a bullfight is, is one guy waves a little a red flag this and the a, other one is riding, you know, like, no, now it's not that. Bullfight, no. Oh. This is a rodeo where you get on a bull and you are only allowed to hold it with one hand. Oh. And you have to like stay on for 45 seconds. You know, I combined those two things in my mind. I had, because I said I, I'm either the guy that gets thrown off or I'm the guy that's doing this. And it didn't occur to me in my mind that those are two separate things entirely. They are two separate. Yeah. Although I think I did the same thing initially. I forgot about it. All right, so then are. I want to be the guy with the, the tarp. That's not an option. What do you mean? That, the clown, right? Like, isn't that what you put on it? Yeah, but that's thing? not the bullfighter. The but wait bullfighter a minute. There's is the also one another red. one where you actually have to tie, take the bull down and tie it up. Yeah, that's right. That's one. That sounds like I the advanced, thinking, you know, we're class. Of all three. Yeah, you're thinking bull of a third activities. different bull <laughs> Why are there this many activities that people are like, let's play with bulls? I think <laughs> that sounds like a fun thing. I think there's not enough to do out west, and so cowboys decided to have an event. And they, do they not have dogs and cats out there. Like, here, yeah, <laughs> no contest. We though. can ship them some. You know, I know right? Huh. Yeah, daredevils. They want to jump on a bull and see how long they can last. That's ridiculous. I agree. That's why I want to be the clown. Yeah, so the wait, wait, wait. So because you said I was wrong before, like the guy, there's the there guy with is, the red, there's no, there, uh, Matadors. Matador. That's the name. That's not what we're talking about? Correct. So what's this? That's a bull fight. Right, yeah. Right. What, are, what are you talking about? So the guy, I already explained. I know, but I'm like clearly not getting this. This is like. All right, so there's a bunch of little pens, and there's a bunch of bulls, and there's right. a cowboy on top of each one. Right, and, I got that. Right, and they open the pens up, and the bull jumps out and starts uh -huh. to, like, buck the cowboy off, and you have to try to stay on as long as possible. Right. Right. So who's the other guy the, that you're talking The clown. The clown. What does so the clown do? So when the cowboy falls off, and it looks like he's going to get crushed to death by the bull's stomping feet, oh. the clown is like, hey, 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 over here. Distracts the bull, gets the bull away from the cowboy to save his life. The sad part, of course, is that the bull is now totally focused on the clown, wanting to have some lunch or crush it to death. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I'm imagining you don't do that from like three feet away. No, no, no. The, yeah, clown, like, the, the clown is like on the fence usually, like yeah. jumps off the fence, hey, hey, and then jumps back to the fence. Sure. And, or over the fence. Gives the cowboy enough time to like get up and run away. None of these are good options. <laughs> <laughs> they need better things the to clown, do. Right? <laughs> the clown is the safer one, though. I guess. I still want to be the matted. I know it's not one of your options. I'm going to pick option C. I want to be the guy with the red carp. It's not an option, though. Why not? Why can't I just make that an option? Like, if we're if we're talking about what we want to do with bulls, because the game and option D is not something where I like I can just raise them and be nice. You know, like, can you imagine if you just had like a pet bull and you just raised it to be like a good one? A you know, like in the Lion that. King, like where they're like, we can train him to be a good lion, or you know, like, a lot of people do. Side. Actually, not. I don't know if a lot of people do that. But there's a woman online. Her website is The Daily Coyote. And she has like a bull for a pet. She's got some cows as pets. She's got a coyote as a pet. And she takes pictures of them online. Mm. It's really cool. Okay. So but then I guess my answer is anything other than the guy riding it. And I'll tell you why. Because when I was in college, I did one of those. Not like a real bull. You know, they have the, the mechanical, mechanical thing. Yeah. And it was like two seconds tops. Like probably not even two seconds. It was like way less than that. Yeah. So I, I'm not very good at it. I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. So... Do you want to change yours? You said you were going to take the bull down, but that's not what this says. All right. I'm still riding the bull. You're still riding the bull. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah. It's yeah. very brave. 
I wish we had one of these things like in the office and we could just try it. But, a mechanical yeah, ball? Like, yeah, just to like, you know, mess around with. You know? <laughs> like, team building. I, like I'm every day you could try to like increase your score or something, you know? I'm imagining that memo, that email to HR with a CC to Michelle Sikorka. Hey guys, brainstorming today. We were thinking a mechanical bull might be a yeah. fun addition to the office. Just, you know, stress release and, you know, well, you know, just, uh, what did you say, competition? Trying to see how... Yeah. Right. It'd be like that time that we were debating about whether to rent or buy the popcorn machine. <laughs> Only this would be a bull. You know? I vote for the popcorn machine. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably get us the popcorn machine before they get the mechanical bull. And it would smell better. Probably. Um, we have okay. this segment of the show where we yes. like to give advice to, to younger people. Okay. Or really anybody. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. If you're not anybody. younger, stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> So, one of the things, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, that you do consulting for video. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of people that come into this place and they're on camera for the first time and sometimes not the first time, right. but they could still use some advice. So, give us some advice that you would give to somebody who's going to be in front of the camera for the first time, maybe in front of an audience for right. the first time. Yeah. So, there's a couple of best practices that I think overlap, but one of the things that I get asked a lot about either medium, what do I wear? My basic is this, women always look good in jewel tones, mm -hmm. so. What's a jewel tone? Um, it is emerald, it is fuchsia, sapphire. it is bright, oh, okay. sapphire, yeah. cobalt. Sure. Bright and colors. Uh, bright colors, Isn't there right? a jewel for every color? I, think I, so. I Yeah, but you don't want like um, a topaz or, I mean, listen, if you know your colors and you know what your background is and you know how to do your makeup depending on what you're wearing, then by all means, like you're most more educated than most people. But if you're not sure and you're second guessing what to wear, blue is a universally flattering color for everybody. So yep. blue, solid, women look great in v-necks. Um, they tend to be more flattering, especially when, you know, it comes to camera, which, it, which can add some weight, unfortunately. That's just the way it goes. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, blue is a universally flattering color for both on stage and on and on camera. I had a stylist say to me one time, "If you ever want to go to an event and get lost in the crowd, wear black because that's what everybody wears." And it's true. Wearing a color on stage for a big event is fabulous. Um, wearing black on camera, it can look great. It looks great on you right now, but if you don't know the quality of your cameras, black, red, and white are colors to stay away from. Hmm. Blue is a sure bet. Um, another question that I get is, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. And that, that hands down, it's the, what do I wear and what do I do with my hands? And here is my question or my answer, excuse me. <laughs> if you, Unless you were like wildly, you know, waving your hands around like Talladega Night style, if you ever saw that movie, <laughs> yeah. Um, do with your hands whatever you would normally do with your right. hands. And the reason is, if you try and, if you talk with your hands and you try and stifle that, it stifles everything else about your speech, it stifles your natural body language, it stifles your ability to communicate authentically. So do with your hands whatever it is that you would do. Watch yourself on camera. If your hands look distracting, make sure that you are using them in ways that emphasize what you're talking about. Other than that, I think you are good to go. And I would say the other thing is to remember energy. It's another big mistake that people make. They tend to think that they are very animated when in fact they look like they have been medicated. And I know that I know this. That's not um, you know, a, a criticism necessarily. I know this because I it's something I did, right? I, I remember watching myself in those first few broadcasts and I'm like, wow, I thought it was really like bam, you know, jumping off the screen and I look like I'm tired. 
everything on camera is flattened. Everything on a big stage with a large audience that goes back, your gestures, everything are diminished and muted. So energy, gestures are always usually uh, you know, a little bit larger than life in both mediums. There's, sure. you know, every rule is made to be broken, but as a general, as a general rule, that's one to follow. And when you practice, don't practice for perfection. Just practice to plan. Mm -hmm. People practice and they they stop when they make a mistake. And one of the most important things to do is to keep pushing on because you practice to learn how to handle those mistakes. So if you're up on stage and your PowerPoint goes down, or you've got a heckler in the crowd, or you mm -hmm. lose your train of thought, you need to have the tools to be able to handle those mistakes and keep on moving. So when you practice, Practice to plan for that stuff. Don't practice for perfection. Perfection is unattainable. Oh, it's unattainable. It's a waste of your time. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that piece of advice because I feel like people don't do it often enough. They don't call it their like the elephant in the room. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. PowerPoint fell. Whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. Done. yeah. Oh my gosh. Give me a second. I'm gonna try to wiggle this or whatever. Right. And, you know, like it just it happens. And you think in your mind, oh my god, oh my god, I'm failing, I'm failing. I can't believe this. I want to. I wish the wish the hole would open up in the stage and I would fall through. And meanwhile, everybody out in the audience is thinking, wow. She handled that pretty well. Right. I wonder if I could have handled it that well. I mean, really, honest to God, that's what they're thinking, unless you're, you know, a complete disaster, but let's mm. hope that's not the case. And yeah. I feel like in most cases, they're on your side. Yeah, like, they Nobody are. is rooting for you to fall on your face. Oh, nobody no. is rooting for you to fail. They all want, because that would be uncomfortable for them. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it makes the audience right. nervous. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, so if you just roll with the punches and be like, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's, right. let's keep going and see what happens. Have a little humor about it, a little bit. And really, honestly, I'd say, turn your mistakes into personality showcases. Mm -hmm. Because a mistake is something, if you handle it well, can really draw your audience to you. It can right. endear you to them. And if exactly. you can handle it well, then people appreciate that. Exactly yeah. true. All right, so Mark, tell us about Gen Z. Oh, Gen Z. So I'll, I'll give you a little backstory on it first. You know, so I spent the last 25 plus years in New York with a, a great, great agency, Taylor, one of the leading public relations and marketing agencies, especially in the sports and entertainment space. Mm -hmm. And then six years ago, Rutgers said, would you teach one course in public relations? Now, I went to Rutgers, graduated from there back in 89, so I was eager to teach one course. One course turned to two, turned to three, now I'm full-time course. Mm -hmm. As a full-time professor of uh, public relations in their School of Communication and Information. Well, so I combine my 25 plus years in marketing with now I'm spending every day with these Gen Zers. So Gen Z, for those who don't know, anyone born officially starting in 97, unofficially let's say 1995 through about 2010. So the oldest Gen Zers just graduated college, they just started working, uh, they're changing the workforce. You've got a bunch right in college, some in high school and a few in kind of middle school and elementary school. And so I get to every day collaborate with these students. So I get to hear, you know, what's trending on social media? What are they <laughs> preferring? Why is TikTok all of a sudden becoming something that yeah. the National Football League and others are investing in? Um, why is Facebook for old people? Mm. And Gen Zers do not yet want anything to do with it. Last week I had 35 of my students in the class and I had 25 students come from Wall High School as part of a field trip. The Wall High School Business Academy. So it's 20, had 60, I said, this is great. So I used the whole class as a way just to, you know, survey them. I asked the high school students, how many are on Facebook? Even a little bit, not one hand. Zero. Not even a little bit. Zero. Wow. If you ask the college students that, one or two out of 35, maybe. Mm. I, I do surveys all the time on Gen Z and it's about 6%. Not one high school student. So, you know, what you learn by hanging out with them, what's most popular now, of course, is Instagram and because of Instagram stories. Snapchat is probably a close second. They do use Twitter a little bit and it's more to just get news, information, whether that's about pop culture, entertainment, not really to share content. Mm -hmm. um, but you hear all these things. And the biggest thing and the biggest messages for, again, businesses, 
especially if Gen Z will become a target or is a target audience, they just don't consume traditional media. They don't watch the five o'clock news. They don't yeah. watch Good Morning America. They don't read a newspaper. Um, so they get their, they still consume media and content, but they're getting it in different ways and from different sources. There was a really good article a few weeks ago in the New York Times by a Gen Zer who interned there this summer, and he said, you know, that's a paradox. Uh, yeah, like, they yeah. don't read it, but they wrote it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the story, yeah. the whole, whole story was. I'm a member of this cohort called Gen Z, and yes, we do consume information. Yes, we seek information. We just don't seek it from traditional sources. So he spent his summer at the New York Times creating kind of a Gen Z-friendly um, program for where Gen Zers would be more apt to go get information. So that's the biggest thing for, again, companies, businesses, marketers, advertisers. How do you market to a generation that doesn't want to be marketed to in a traditional sense? And is that what this is about? Well, that's what this book's about, Decoding Gen Z. Decoding so, Gen Z. Yeah, so I, um, I traveled the country. I interviewed Gen Zers from age 13 to 23, high school freshmen to those who just graduated college. And again, it's all about those insights. What do you prefer on social media? What are you looking for in a future employer, for in a future business that you're going to go work for? Um, how should companies market you if you don't respond to traditional marketing? And so that's all the things it's about. And I'm probably on a weekly basis speaking somewhere to some organization who's saying, we need to understand this generation. They are going to be the next biggest generation for us. This year, Gen Z became the largest generation in this country. So there's more Gen Zers than millennials. There's more Gen Zers than boomers. And you they, didn't even mention Xers. And I didn't even mention Xers yet, <laughs> which I am. You feel like and, that? Um, <laughs> and they have you know, a significant um, economic influence. Now, a lot of them it may be because they influence their parents, right? right? But they do have influence. So, now and over the next 10 or 15 years, you know, not that millennials are going anywhere, but I think millennials who have been the focus for a lot of organizations, companies, businesses, are kind of a little bit more in the rearview mirror, a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think Gen Z will become a primary, again, for, for many organizations. So, uh, fa I'm fascinated, but again, I have this... I have this great opportunity where every day, you know, when I leave here, I'm going to go teach at Rutgers. I'm going to be with 35 Gen Zers, and I will just hear new things, things that are trending, things that are they're gravitating towards. Um, you know, I, I mentioned TikTok. Wait, around. what's the what's the class about? Because my class like is a you're marketing just, like, class. Hanging around yeah, yeah, about. yeah. So my that's <laughs> teaching who here. <laughs> that class is a 400 level course called uh, Media Marketing and Communication. So a marketing okay. course. In fact, they're at the phase of the course now where they I I found identified real world clients for them and brought them in last week. So they met with CEOs of organizations here in New Jersey, businesses in New Jersey, and they got to meet them and kind of, you know, conduct a discovery session with them and understand what their marketing challenges were. And now over the next four or five weeks together, we'll create marketing recommendations and they'll present that as their final project. Um, but you just, every week, you just hear, I mean, we all, I'm sure we all saw this, but in the last few weeks, right, the Popeye chicken sandwich. The Popeye's chicken sandwich is back. <laughs> I mean, At least as of the time that I'm saying this. But they keep selling it. Yes, you never know if it'll be sold out again by yeah. the time it's airs. But, but yeah. that was a hot topic of discussion this whole semester, right? Yeah. Just the idea of, you know, that it truly did engage them, that some of them drove miles and miles and miles to, to try that chicken sandwich. So that was a brand that figured a way to, again, engage them and, and get them to perhaps, you know, try the product. So it's those kinds of things. We drove, I want to say it was like 40 minutes to go to Popeye's, and it was the first time I was at Popeye's in 10 years. So, yeah, and, and I didn't even get the sandwich. No, it was sold out. I did, it was like one of those first couple days it was sold out. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? You don't have a sandwich. How difficult? You got chicken. <laughs> Is it the bun? Was that really the problem? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. yeah, so it's interesting. So, Gen Z will tell you. So, when I do serve, and I do surveys every three months with Gen Zers across the country, so online surveys, just to, again, refresh the data, mm -hmm. see where things are going, see what's becoming more popular. 
And what they'll tell you is the number one way to market to them is give them an experience that they can immerse themselves in and share on their social media channels, right? They want social media currency. They want to brag a little bit. They want to flex those muscles and say, I was at this event or here or there, and they want to share it. Um, so a little tip for event planners out there. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think personally, if you're in event marketing, event planning, event management, I, I've said this in a speech not too long ago. You're getting into what I think will be the golden age for that because more and more companies and brands are going to rely on event management companies to create these, again, immersive experiences that are what we call Instagrammable. So they can be shared and socialized. And uh, ultimately, that's, you know, in marketing, if you can get a consumer, whether it's Gen Z or any other consumer, to advocate for your brand by yeah. simply sharing it on social media and saying, I had a great experience at this location, at this business, with this company, and I'm sharing it to all my followers. You know, they're not paying you to do that. That's right. You're not a paid influencer. You're doing that just because you genuinely believe that this company has done a nice job. I enjoyed my experience and I want to share that now. So ultimately that's where brands and businesses want to get with Generation Z, where they're advocating on behalf of your company or your business, but they're not, you know, paying you to do that. You're not a paid mm. spokesperson. So. Right. And we're back, and it's now time to play my favorite game, Awful or Awesome. I'm going to name three things, and we each have to decide quickly if they're awful or awesome, and be prepared to defend your answers. Ready? School picture day. Do you remember school picture day from yeah. back in the day? No, I thought that was good. Yeah. Really? Or, yeah, I you loved did. it. Yeah, I liked it. Because I always got a seat, like important seat, sit in the middle mm. next to your principal or class teacher. Look at you. So I loved it. Teacher's um. pet. <laughs> <laughs> not that I wasn't. I don't think that's true. Um, I did not like school picture day because mm. I had a mom, and I love you mom so much, who's not that into girly girl stuff. And so, and I had short hair for a while. And so there were days when I would wake up with like serious bedhead, like horns and knobs and things. And she would be like, yeah, it's fine, just go, it's fine. <laughs> and so there's more than one school picture of me that lives in the world where I'm a little wonky in the Can hair. we get one? No. no? I was going to say. <laughs> we Put it on screen as we're talking. We were just talking uh, about the hair. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh. Not ever. I'll, I'll bring like some of the, the later ones where I am responsible for my own bad hair. Okay. <laughs> but I will not bring some of the ones where it's literally pillow crease. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's bad. You know, I think that there should be like a mom at the front of every line just with a comb and like a finger full of spit, like just, you know, spit spot shine, cleaning. Sure. Yeah, yeah, right? Each right. kid before they go in front of the camera. Wow. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't that mom exist? <laughs> I know. Seriously. I, I get you. I feel you. <laughs> they should. There you should be that kind of mom. Responsible for each class of kids mm. so that nobody is, you know, traumatized or embarrassed. For sure. Picture day. Yeah, right. I'm going to go hard awful on the whole Thank thing. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Just the whole thing. And here's why. <laughs> I think me. the whole concept is awful. Like, I think. You know, you have this one day, really? and if you don't look great on that one day, yeah. it's immortalized in everybody's yearbook, and you know, like... Uh, Why can't you just submit your picture? That would be a good idea. Right? You know, it'd be like kind of like a Facebook kind of thing. Like, totally. you take the picture you like to represent you. This is my profile you know? pic for the year. And then, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yes. it's like, you know, you know, if you get it right, you know, great. If not, you keep trying until you do. I mean, for second graders and, you know, little kids, that's probably kind of silly, but... I don't know. My okay, so I feel like my parents always took us once a year around Christmas time for like a Christmas picture. Mm. Why can't they just like submit one of those? 
Like as a poet, you know, I just don't understand. Yeah, and now I'm on the other side of it. So now I've got the kid, you know, like going in for picture She day. had the cutest school picture. You need to put that up. Sure, I'll put that up. Her hair was so adorable. It was, but you know, like getting, like, all right, so there's a lot of stress in the morning, like getting mm -hmm. her out the door for that. And then like, you know, they, they those pictures are not cheap. Like, oh, you know, like expensive. one of those little things is like, I don't know, 50 bucks or so for like the little package. And I'm like, can't I just have the JPEG? Cause that's all, <laughs> you know, like, that's all I really want, you know? But yeah, yeah, they got you. They got, they know, yeah. Tara bought this frame. And the frame has slots for like, oh, I don't yeah. know, 16, 20 of these yeah. pictures. And the idea is that like over the years you would put them all in. And I'm like, so now you don't even have a choice in the matter. No, yeah, like, yeah, you with are, your senior picture, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Obviously. You are stuck. Like, first yeah. of all, she can't be sick on one of those days. Otherwise, like, nope. you know, your nah. whole thing is messed up. But then also, like, oh, now that you mention it, you could take your own, but whatever. No, 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 we're not even gonna go there yet. But now, like, you know, you're stuck, so, like, whatever it costs in, like, two years, if the photo's, like, 200 bucks, we're gonna have to pay it, because we got the frame, and, you know, That's can't go back thing. now, right? Yeah. It's too late. Also, you don't want her to be the kid in class whose parents Wouldn't aren't ordering pictures. Do they notice? I think they do because when when the teacher passes out Not from that perspective, the kids. Like, you know, it's not like the kids are gonna tease you like you didn't order the photo. They don't know. I think they do know. Yeah? How would they, how, okay, let's so say like, you're sitting let's with say you and I pictures. are in second grade together. How yeah. do you know that I didn't order the picture? Because I'm holding mine and you're I not holding get, anything. Do they get them held to the house? No. Or? Well, I don't know. I went to Catholic school, so we just got no, ours I handed out. Right. I think, they I think they probably handed, just yeah. go to the, the office, pay, and then get, the, I don't know, but I think it's also. I know we paid, um, like, uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think everything was Wait, is it? Do you think it's yeah. boys versus girls, that the girls care for the picture and the boys don't? But you said you didn't care. Well, I cared. My mother did not. <laughs> I mean, isn't that it? I mean, I don't know what age we're talking about here, but isn't that like up to you then to maybe like take the comb and like, you know? I was not a child who like not let's let's thought about stuff like let's that. Let's redeem Kate's mom. You know, she's like, wonderful. Yeah. Also, I was the kind of kid who totally forgot when picture day was. Mm. So it's possible my mom had no idea that, it, you know, I didn't remind her. She didn't get a reminder from the school. We woke up and I, she was like, all right, I've got three of you. Let's just get this train okay. out the door, yeah. please. Yeah. Um, but you naturally look so good. You didn't need anything. Well, now I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> borderline homeless. How much money do I have to pass across the table to get one of these photos on the screen? <laughs> um, uh, I'm afraid that there is like, no amount of money. Friend, you know, favor, whatever it costs. You just come up with whatever it is. Let me like, think about you know, that. I think I owe you 25 cents. We could just like, that could be like, oh, you know, you we could do. just forgive that or, you know. You I'll, do owe me 25 yeah. cents. Uh, you can have that, you know, whatever it is. You know? <laughs> so I'm going to go dark for a second. Okay. I think I told you six or seven years ago, almost seven years ago my parents house burned down and we lost everything every oh, school picture every christening get like oh. everything and there are moments like this when I'm like eh, that's okay like I lost those horrible pictures of me with wow. the <laughs> no not really not really, <laughs> really? No. No, no no I'm sure that my aunts and uncles still because that's the thing when you order the school pictures you order that sheet of wallet of course, size yeah. and then you spend hours you know cutting them up and the putting them in every Christmas card I know my aunts and uncles have those those horrible pictures. Because I get it now. Because like the three photos cost like forty three dollars, and then the fifteen <gasps> photos cost like forty five. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. I can't deal. Yeah. All right, last one. It's kind of a random one, but you like cooking, so I, I assume you're gonna have strong feelings. <laughs> Chef Boyardee. Oh my God. 
Yeah. I have not thought about Chef Boyardee in <laughs> years. I will tell well, you, I never that. fed my children Chef Boyardee. Good for you. I ate it as a child. <laughs> I liked it when I was seven. Right. Right. But I... That was a couple years ago. Distinctly... <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember... One day, I'm like leaning away. From I know. You. I'm sorry. Wow. I have strong feelings. <laughs> you and your sorry. chef boy RD. Right. So I distinctly remember liking it, and then the next time somebody tried to give it to me, I was like, "What is this slap? I'm not eating this. It was not good." But I, yeah, I ate it as a child and enjoyed it. And then there was a moment when somebody tried to give it to me as a preteen, maybe, and I was like, "No." Preteen. So not even teen. Okay. No. Yeah, it was probably like nine or ten, mm. and I was just like, "No." Is it still? Is it still around? Yeah, yeah it's still around. It's a thing still. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's like one of those foods that you expect to find in a bomb shelter. Yeah. I wonder how long it lasts. Maybe it could be. <laughs> I think it does. I think it's like spam or corned beef hash or I something. I bet it does. I bet it lasts forever. I know. Foods like that, honestly, are a little terrifying. Yes. Like, would you like some botulism today? I figured it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, wow. what do you think? I'm gonna. I, I don't know if I would go as far as awesome, right. but not as the disgusting, gross, awful that the two of you are throwing out there. You know, it's it's soup. I, I don't know. Like, no, it's yeah. not soup. It's well, like it's fake like something spaghetti. similar. It's fake spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti. Yeah. I, I think it was soup because and it's chemical laden sauce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I. Yeah, the one I like it's is the, the Garden one. State money. Gotta go for fresh. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. I wouldn't <laughs> right. say it was awesome. Right. The one I like the most is the things with the little meatballs. Not the big meatballs, but the little meatballs. I remember the little meatballs. And I always wished, this is an idea for <laughs> Chef Boyardee. If you are out there listening to this show and you work for Chef Boyardee or one of their competitors, free idea here. I just wanted a can of only the meatballs, and they don't sell that. <laughs> they sell the big ones, but not the little ones, and the little ones taste differently, and it matters, yeah. okay? No, I totally agree. So you don't need the, the fake pasta at all. You right, just, just want... the little meatballs in the sauce. Huh. Free idea. Is that like Keto Boyardee? Wow, hey. look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy like 20 of them. Today. Today. Costco, I would want today. Yeah. You want a case. Yeah, I want a case. <laughs> yeah. And then I want more because I know that like the people are going to be like, wow, that's weird. And they're not going to buy it. And then it's going to go out of print or whatever yeah. you would call it. And yeah, yeah. I'm just going to have to go the rest of my life. I have thought about buying like six or seven cans, taking the little meatballs out and just like combining them into one bowl, but I feel like that's excessive. That's pretty wasteful. You would be wasting, you know, quote unquote food. Maybe I would eat the rest <laughs> of it later. Put the, the pasta into a Tupperware, that can be like a crappy day where I'm not eating any of the meatballs, you know, but like that one day with the meatballs, that would be glorious. Glor like, okay. Glorious. I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a while since I've had them, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna double you. down and I'm gonna defend. I'm not gonna back off. Are I'm not backing down. Sorry, right, so. I have to ask a follow-up question. Sure. Are you saying that a bowl full of mini Chef Boyardee meatballs would be better than real, actual, homemade meatballs? Yes, no. but, 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 not because it would actually be better, but because like I could always, get, like I could go out right now and find a place that'll serve me like a bowl of meatballs, but like, you know, <laughs> the fact that I can't go out there and get like a bowl of Chef Boyardee meatballs means that it's like, you know, it's like the forbidden fruit almost, but not like because I could do it if I had the time. You like know? normally we have such a meeting of the minds and I'm just not with you right now. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm not backing down. Chef right, I'm standing divide. my ground right here. Chef Boyardee. Not awesome. Not awful. Somewhere in the middle, leaning towards awesome. Inaccurate. Yeah. I, wow. Okay. And again, it's the little meatballs. You know, like the pasta, I could take it or leave it. But, you know. 
in the sauce. I don't even know what to say to you right now. And so we've had a few attorneys on this show, um, a couple of HR attorneys, and they have the most ridiculous stories. Things like people super gluing their coworkers to toilet seats. People chasing somebody around the office with a pair of scissors. Yeah, yeah. that happened. Yeah. yeah, showing up in like ridiculous costumes. The Avatar costume. The Avatar yeah. costume, yeah. yeah. like and, and that's an HR issue? Well, it was well, an HR issue because it was a stripper version of an <laughs> Avatar costume, and she did the whole dance. She did the whole dance yeah. at the office. So Encouraged by her coworkers, who were mostly men, apparently. And then somebody was like, this isn't cool. We should really, like, cut this out. And, and that person reported it to... HR or I guess so yeah I don't <laughs> I can't remember if this company because that wasn't the funny part of the story I, I don't <laughs> I remember, remember it. It, right. <laughs> but yeah. it, it wasn't the uh, it was a violation of the um, dress, dress code. Code. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right but I'm wondering if you have any funny uh, divorce stories because people just ask for ridiculous things or they I mean they act probably not so great I'm sure and when they're when they're going through some of the worst things that they've ever been yeah. through, right? We say, we like to say that it's adults behaving badly. Mm. And the people yeah. that, there's a lot of stories about, you know, people acting badly towards one another. Right. Um, and fighting about things that they, you know, mo the biggest fights are, are, are from the people that don't really have anything to fight about because they're just so embittered and, and, and emotional about the, the breakup. They're just not having an easy time letting go. But a couple funny ones, I guess, would be um, I did the one and only dog trial in Hunterdon County about wow. seven, seven Rover years. versus uh, oh my gosh. Dachshund. Yeah. So, yeah, the one, the husband would refuse to let the wife take the dogs that were hers to Chihuahuas. And in New Jersey, dogs are considered personal property. So we had a a mini trial on just that one issue we settled everything else and we had to decide the judge had to decide who got the dogs and as the personal property like it's like arguing over a set of dishes wow. yeah so, so but it was so nice at the end because she you know we won the dog trial and she got possession of the dogs and then he was forced to bring the dogs to my office and we had her in our conference room and it was this re reunification it was like you know her baby oh she got to see her wow yeah so That's i awesome. know what that feels like because i'm very attached to my dogs yeah yeah and then there was another you know there was i don't want to give away too many of my secrets but we've had some interesting sort of um uh, sexual proclivities that we've uh, encountered in the course of representing some of our uh, people. One was a fellow who uh, was really upset that his wife wanted to divorce him because he was the submissive in the relationship and um, he he now had to find find like a new dominatrix to oh, wow. to wow. So it's not just like finding a new partner, but it's a very specific need that needs to be. I'm yeah. sure there's websites for that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on, they, they got the one for farmers. You know, like everything has a website. Farmers, That's true. Yeah, it's dating. Dating. Like yes. the reason I remember this is because the jingle for it is like you don't have to be lonely anymore. And I'm like, are farmers just inherently lonely? That's so sad. It makes me. But yeah, they have a website for anything now. Okay, yeah. that's probably true. That makes sense. But it, it doesn't have any. It didn't have anything to do at all with his divorce. It was just an interesting 
humorous. You didn't need to know anything about it, but he felt the need to tell yes. you anyway. And we've had people argue about the sex toy collection and, you know, who gets it. Oh my and, God! You know, how are we going to distribute this or the porn collection? I can't. The videos. I feel like that's the sort of thing you just buy new. <laughs> Yeah. No amount of washing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, people, people that are embittered, you know, they, it does, it, it's not really because it's valuable. It's just, yeah. it's, right. just it's just a, a, a pride. Yeah. It's a pride. Yeah. You know, so. And I feel like when you're in that position, you make really bad decisions out of pride or out of hurt or, you know, out of vindictiveness. I think if you're the one being divorced and you don't want to be divorced, then there's a chance that you're going to act out. And I, I try to help people that come in. Well, I first I try to decide or help them decipher, are they the one being left? Or are they the one doing the leaving? Because mm -hmm. if they're the ones doing the leaving, they've done a lot of emotional work to get to that point. And totally. then you have to kind of evaluate, well, where is your spouse? If you're the one doing the leaving, are they in the same emotional place you are? And if they're not, then are you willing to give them a sort of a chance to catch up to you? Because even people that live in the same house, the same experience is going on for both of them, but their perceptions of those that experience mm -hmm. is completely divergent and one could be miserable and the other one was is just fine with the status quo and so even though there's a miserable person you know in the same house as you they they see things completely different than the, the person who sees it as yeah. just acceptable right. and so you you know you want to try to see if you can give them a chance to catch up if you can some people aren't willing to wait but those are the best divorces where people are sort of both resigned to accept that it's over and they've come to terms with it but when some person one person is not accepting and one person is you know gung-ho I've got to get out that's where you get this sort of disconnect of of uh, strategies and positions people take and you know what people hold on to so I can't have you but I, I'll take the you know the artwork on the wall because mm -hmm. you're not you won't stay okay I know you love that painting so I'll get that instead or you know they you know unfortunately people use the kids uh, a lot of times yeah. as a tool to you know cause harm to the other parent but yeah so I mean it's not all like that those are just those are rare situations you know for the most part mm -hmm people resolve their disputes by agreement. We settle 99% of all the cases we take without going to trial. So we're very good at getting people to kind of meet in the middle.